Today's guest, Miranda Kane, reckons that 2020 has been the right year to start a training business, not on her own, but with seven fellow directors. Miranda was previously Director of Operations and People for Blue Sky Performance in the UK, until it was acquired by international business process outsourcing and professional services company Capita PLC. And that eventually was the catalyst for Miranda and her seven colleagues to set up Elevate, eight of them involved, hence the name Elevate. Today, the story of Elevate, how Miranda and the team started, what they're doing now to build the business, and where they're going next. This is episode 109 of the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hi, my name is Mark. I'm the host of the Training Business Podcast. And it's my pleasure and privilege to welcome you to this show. If it's not your first time listening, welcome back. And if it is your first time listening, it's my pleasure to welcome you as a first-time listener. And I hope you'll subscribe and be a frequent future listener to the show because we have episodes of the show every Thursday. And we bring guests on the show like today's guest, Miranda Kane, and I'll talk about her in a moment. But this is the show for freelance trainers, for training business owners, for training consultants, just like you and me all around the world. We've got listeners from all around the world, literally. But something else to keep in mind is if you're not yet in the training business, but are thinking of entering into the training business, starting your own training business, I would like to think that this show serves you as well. So the goal of this show and every episode of the show is threefold. It's to help you to start to grow and to scale a profitable training business. Now, before the music, I introduced briefly today's guest, who is Miranda Kane. Miranda is managing director of a brand new training company, Brand, with aspirations to hit 20 million in revenue. And of course, collectively, between the team of eight people, they have the experience to achieve this. I last spoke with Miranda in 2016. At the time, she was a director at Blue Sky Performance in the UK, a much admired training brand in the UK. But now Miranda and her seven fellow directors from Blue Sky, all of them, by the way, have come across from Blue Sky, they have together collectively taken the plunge and launched a brand new training company called Elevate, and they've done so in August 2020 this year, not so long ago. I hope you enjoy the next 30 minutes of inspiration and insight with Miranda. Miranda, hi, and welcome to the program. Thank you, Mark, and thank you for having me. So let's start um, with your previous role. You were Director of Operations and People at Blue Sky for nearly 11 years, and there was a high level of repeat business. I'm familiar with that name, as many people would be in the UK. Um, but the first time we talked was 2016, in fact. Four years later, in 2020, you're now on the journey of running your own training business. Let's just briefly look at what happened when the company was acquired by Capita, which is a global consultancy brand with approximately 20,000 employees. What happened next after that acquisition? So I guess we were, we were actually, Blue Sky was acquired in 2013. 
And as is um, fairly common, um, the first couple of years, the owners remained in place um, and we sort of navigated a two year in inverted commas earn out period. So largely um, it was business as usual, um, obviously particularly driven around achieving certain commercial milestones um, as part of the sort of acquisition deal. Um, and life was fairly kind of normal for two years. And then, um, you know, beyond that, so from about 2015, much change as the owners um, exited and uh, restructuring um, of the business uh, off the back of that. And obviously a change in certain aspects of the way we worked under then, um, you know, the capita ownership. So, um, you know, it's for many businesses um, that are acquired by large organisations, because we were sort of 40 heads in Blue Sky at that time, um, quite a significant shift when you go from, you know, an owner-run boutique kind of consulting business into, um, you know, a, a small business that's, that's owned by uh, an organisation at that time that had somewhere around 70,000 employees. So um, very different in terms of everything from the way in which you report, um, focus on the way in which you do business, looking for those um, efficiencies. So lots of things that do change how it feels within the organisation for sure. You mentioned when we last spoke the importance to you of feeling in control. What was the signal to you to leave corporate and take control by starting your own training business? Um, Interesting, because it's a sort of uh, a collision of a number of things. So some of this, this is largely for me, is around purpose. So um, one of the things that I'd loved in Blue Sky was, um, and being part of a small organisation, is the ability to get in a room with the right people, decide you want to do something differently, for example, and being in a position to make that decision and go do it. Um, so I think, um, and in my latter time in Blue Sky, you know, it's the it's the yearning for autonomy. So I'd say autonomy rather than control, if that makes sense. So um, I think I think the term control has a has a very different connotation, certainly for me. So I think um, interestingly, with um, the current, you know, the last six to seven months. Um, obviously, the pandemic has thrown a lot of challenge at all, all organisations and the ability to kind of control um, my own destiny and the team of people that I now work with control, you know, have control influence over our own destiny is actually really important. And when we spoke the other day, I said it's, um, you know, it, you, you you hit certain points in life where you're saying, so I can either sit and be reliant and or at the effect of others, or we can take control of our own destiny. And so actually the, the outcome was almost the secondary factor, win, lose or draw. Um, and I think many of us have had situations in life where something hasn't worked out. But if we were really clear that that was our decision and, you know, a decision we made, you, you, you sit more comfortably with the consequences than if you're sitting at the effect of decisions made by others. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Have you overcome or had to overcome any sense of doubt since launching this? Honestly. 
<laughs> yes, um, for sure. So, you know, much thought goes in ahead of these decisions. And I think that's probably where um, I allow myself to think about the worst case scenarios. And I think that's important as part of the decision making. So it's almost that plan for the worst whilst hoping for the best, um, because then when you're in it, if challenges come up, you have a plan, you have contingencies because you've considered sort of all of the variables. So it definitely was not a, um, you know, a decision, you know, a spare of the moment decision. Um, and um, you have moments where, you know, it's, it's hard work um, for anyone, uh, you know, who's run their own business or works for themselves knows it's hard work. Um so there are moments where, you know, and I, I turned 50 this year and I've had moments where I go, why, why are you doing this to yourself? Congratulations. That's a milestone. Yeah, thank you. Um, not doubt. Um, you know, for me, it's, um, it's about when we're successful, not if we're successful. So, um, you know, the moments of doubt are, you know, fall pale into insignificance compared to the overarching confidence I have about, um, you know, what we're doing and, and, and the team of people that's doing it. So the company is called Elevate and founded officially in August 2020 in London. What's behind the name? Because there's a story behind that, isn't there? There is. There's a num. There's a number of stories actually. So we had um, we had a short list of names, and you know some of it's guttural with this stuff. Some you know it's something just feels right, and we had a number that that felt pretty good, and um, and then we took things to the next step, which is then exploring the sort of marketability. Um, so, you know, your brand name and identity has a number of um, purposes to serve. So for us, there was something um, quite Ron Seal, um, uh, <laughs> and we like that. Now, for people listening, Ron Seal is, a, is a, what, a varnish in the UK market. It may not be known by listeners or outside of the UK, but it's a, it does what it says on the tin. That's the classic strap line. It is. And so for us, everything we do is about elevating performance. So it sort of, you know, it met the, the, the first requirement. So sort of that box was ticked. Um, and so actually our full, our full um, company name is Elevate Performance Improvement. Um, and actually, we then ha have had some real fun in terms of the sort of the ability to use um, similar sort of terms and phraseology from a, a proposition and brand and marketing perspective. So everything from whether it's, um, you know, formulate, inve invigorate, investigate, um, so, so that works really well um, as a byproduct of the name we chose. Um, but actually, there's some bigger things for us. So it's not elevate um, uh, as in the full word. We use the number eight. And part of that is there are eight founding members. And so for us, we wanted to um, have something that's absolutely set in our DNA. It does, you know, fast forward 10 years, it, you know, all being well, that we've got a team of 100 people, our brand name and identity continues to anchor us to the founding eight, where it all began. So there's something really important about never forgetting where we came from. Um, and also the number eight positioned on its side is the, um, is the symbol for infinity. 
And, um, you know, uh, we like to, we believe that the opportunities for us as individuals, us as a team and um, with our clients and partners, the opportunities are infinite. And of course, eight has a, a symbol of, of prosperity in, in Asian culture or some Asian cultures. Yeah. There are eight of you. There's Colin, Hillary, Hannah, Adam, Lee, Sean Spurgeon, who, whom I've heard of before, and Rob. And you're all, all of you, without exception, unless I'm mistaken, you're all ex-Blue Sky performance. Yeah, we worked out. We had um, 75 years of combined tenure in Blue Sky. So, um, you know, when people talk about starting a, a new business, in many respects, it, it, it doesn't feel like that because we've all worked together for so long. Um, so it's taking a, a, a really well tried and tested dynamic and team and, you know, the, the, and underpinned hugely by trust and psychological safety and all of those things that are so important, um, we, we already have that. So actually the challenges become much more around the practicalities and the logistics and, um, and the, current, the current climate and environment and landscape um, but what we're not having to do is carve out new, you know, new relationships and um, uh, develop that sense of, of of trust with each other. So, um, so yeah, it's amazing. That's a good point. Of course, you're you're bringing with you established relationships, and that group of people, I would imagine, is the the senior leadership team from the time you were uh, interim MD at Blue Sky. So largely, so uh, so actually, in terms of being really accurate, um, they were all people leaders. So all led teams and functions within Blue Sky. Yeah. So one of your client case studies that I found on your website is for a well-known insurance brand, and you've put down some headlines like one hundred and eighty percent improvements in NPS, which is Net Promoter Score and 16% average uplift in performance. What's the importance to you and your fellow directors of learning ROI, return on investment? So I think it's one of, um, it's interesting um, actually, because I remember joining Blue Sky and, you know, the, the focus on ROI was, was, a, was a key thing for the business, you know, nearly 11 years ago. And not many businesses were talking about um return on investment at that time and fast forward 10 years everybody you know it's one of the current buzzwords isn't it um in sort of almost all environments the ability to prove um the value of the work that's been done essentially i think for us it's important because it's a, i hate it when we spoke the other day um i'm at risk of uh, of being a walking cliche we genuinely want to do work that makes a difference um, you know, it isn't for us about, well, if somebody's prepared to pay for it, then we'll do it. We want to do work, um, build true partnerships. You referenced at the front end, you know, Blue Sky had, um, you know, many of our clients were clients we worked with for, uh, for, for many, many years. And that's what comes through doing work that really makes a difference. Um, and, you know, that's why we don't sell boxes. 
and we don't sell off the shelf solutions because we don't believe that you, you there's an assured outcome through some through a one size fits all so for us we're driven to work in true partnership um, you know, get really embedded and under the skin of the organisation we're working with and design um, a solution that we know will will deliver the outcome that they're looking for. Um, and that's absolutely key to us. And, you know, whether in the sales or service space, um, we've been fortunate to work with many organisations that we can anchor um, the results of our interventions and our solutions to a very specific um, commercial outcome. So it's the focus is very much on doing work with human beings, um, you know, making conversations more human, but the, in a way that deliver a commercial outcome. And I think that that's, a, um, you know, it's one of the things that differentiates us. Yeah, you're quite right, because right now, return on investment Return on learning investment is is quite topical. Obviously, budgets are tight. Many companies have had to furlough people, so they're more conscious than ever about the necessity of proving the effectiveness of training and coaching programs. And that's something that we raised in episode 50 with Wendy Kirkpatrick, who is the daughter-in-law of the legendary Don Kirkpatrick, founder of the Kirkpatrick model. And in that episode, we talk about uh, level four, which is the importance of proving the results of learning for the business. And then that topic was also raised in episode 69 with Jack and Patty Phillips of the ROI Institute. And level five to them is, is crucial. How do you actually, as a trainer, have a conversation with your prospects, with your customers about the effectiveness of your learning programs? Because unless we can articulate value, it, you might get in the door, but you're not necessarily going to get the gig. Why do you think that learning and invest, uh, learning investment or training return on investment is, is is almost magnified right now in the current circumstances of COVID? I think to to the point you made regarding um, you know the impact of COVID on sort of all businesses in terms of you know impacting their revenue line. Um, and so on means that uh, most organisations, uh, certainly in the early um, early stages of the pandemic, were just tightening their belts in every respect. So, you know, any plans for recruitment halted, you know, um, pulling back on marketing spend. Um, and similarly, looking, you know, for many organisations, investment in their people is seen as a kind of nice to have. Um, so I think there are still organisations who don't really yet understand, one, the responsibility they have to ensure that their that their people are equipped to do the jobs, um, you know, and the tasks required of them. Um, so I think that that tightening in terms of uh, spend actually plays, um, uh, you know, plays well for us because whatever spend is secured, um, you know, people will have to, uh, there will be much more focus internally around it. Um, I think historically functions have been allocated a budget each year, which largely they can spend on, in inverted commas, learning um, uh, as they please. I think now there will be much more scrutiny um, to ensure that that money is spent well. Um, the role that recruitment, uh, the role that procurement plays um, in in the sales cycle 
um, adds definitely a lens, uh, an additional layer of scrutiny. Um, and so I think that actually we have um, in, in many situations, we've um, done sort of pilot groups. So actually one of um, in Blue Sky, one of our most successful sales programs um, came off the back of a pilot group where we had the opportunity to just show them the level of impact we could have. Um, so it was a sort of a, a, not quite a try before you buy because the pilot was paid for. But actually, a bit of a you know a, a road test, and as soon as they got sight of the impact we were able to demonstrate in that pilot group, it was a no-brainer for them to roll out across their entire retail estate. So, um, in that sense, we're good with that level of scrutiny because we're confident we can go in and demonstrate that that difference. Yeah. How do you get in the door of big organizations? That's an, a perennial question that people ask me and say, you have guests on the show. They have successfully engineered, um, you know, contracts with blue chips, fortune 500 companies, FTSE 100 companies in the UK. What do your mind is the secret of getting in the door of, of corporations that can provide a substantial volume of work, particularly to people who are new training business owners? So, you know, I, I have a view that the world of learning um, is um, transient and kind of incestuous. So, you know, if you people that we that I worked with 10 years ago and maybe worked for a particular telco, um, you know, over the last 10 years have moved around and now working for a utilities organisation. And so I think that it is about the relationships you build and the work that you do. So I know with Elevate that, um, you know, the con the connections that we have, um, you know, are with people that we have worked with in, you know, one guise or another, for the last 10 or 15 years. So, you know, some of it is that people will move to an organization and they, you know, they drop you a message or they, you know, a text and say, hey, I'm now over here. You know, can we have a conversation around you doing what you did there, here? So there's some of that. Um, and I think that also we have, you know, quite a disruptive um, uh, message to the market. I think that, you know, what we, what we do um, stands out. So, you know, we've definitely had some um, uh, interest and therefore having some conversations with people because of something they've seen of us. Um, and so I think the the combination, but as I said, in, you know, in Blue Sky, we had many clients that came back year after year. And in fact, we got to a place that many of our operational team members were, were absolutely embedded in in all of the sort of and involved in the planning conversations with those clients so we're not simply a supplier that comes in to to, to fix a particular problem um, the consulting bit means that we can add value in, with working with our clients beyond simply a particular set of training interventions and so, you know, we still have people that come to us for our insight or guidance or advice around things that aren't necessarily things that we would say we would we would fix, but we can connect them with people. We have great partnerships. And so I think it's it's it, it's it's about your network. It's about the relationships and ultimately partnerships. One of the things that I believe you were responsible for at Blue Sky Performance was finding the right people to put in front of 
your customers, in other words, trainers. So currently you don't have full-time employees in a training capacity. You plan at some point to hire people to work with you as associates for your brand. Is that right? For sure. So it's it's the right model um, and uh, allows us to have scalability. So in, in, in most consulting and training businesses, you have you know, peaks and troughs in activity. And so, you know, one day you might you might need to have 20 or 30 trainers mobilized and the following week you might only need four. So the flexibility in the associate model um, definitely works. Um, you know, the key, the key in the associate model is making sure that you have really a similar lens when it comes to your associates that you do when recruiting internal employees. So that the, um, uh, we, we have had amazing um, associates at Blue Sky who were absolutely an extension of our business. And I, I've said many times I would defy any client to pick from, you know, a, a group of people that attended their site who were on the payroll versus who were associates. Um, so that diligence. So we had a rigorous assessment process. We, you know, the the kind of what good looks like from a facilitation perspective. There was a blue skyness um, in terms of, you know, dynamic and um, engaging, upbeat. You know, all these sort of terms. Um, and so, yes, it's it's absolutely um, elevates model and um, and is the right uh, and is the right model. So what would you like to achieve in the next five years? I know it's early days. It's only um, October, fact, 1st of October 2020, as we're recording. Looking into the future, how will you know when you've achieved your your collectives, you know, Hillary's, Collins, Hannah's, yours, Sean's goals for the next five years with Elevate? What does that look like for you? All things being well. Yeah. So I think, that, you know, the, the, the first thing is being really clear around what good looks like. So for us, this isn't, um, uh, you know, with a specific desire to be running a 10 or 20 million pound business. So as I said, and it, whilst it may sound or feel a little cliched, it really is about wanting, if we're in a position to look back and say, we are doing great work. Um, and people want to come back and do more work with us, and we have a great um, client base that we work with, we are excited to get up and go to work every day. We're having fun um, doing the work that we're doing. And, um, and you know, work-life balance and all of those things. So it's not, it's, it, it's not just, so there is a, com- there is a number as in what it what is required for us to be able to continue to do it, um, but but that's the goal. Um, and certainly, I think that um, you know, with with a new business, our first lens is what we need to do in year one. Then I think, obviously, then you you know the, your lens around plans and you, you know the future may change. So for us right now, that's what it's about. It's about um, viability um, and feeling good coming to work every day. Um, And they're the kind of key things for us. And um, yeah, and five years is a bit, is a bit far down the line. (laughs) Even five months right now is, is far down the line. Yeah. 
Um, you mentioned at, at, as well at the beginning that the owners of Blue Sky Performance exited then shortly, well, not perhaps shortly, but sometime after the acquisition by Capita. What are your plans to exit at some point? When when will that time come? What? How will you know it's time to hang up the boots and do something else? Um, do you know what? It's, it's, it's a very rare phrase for me. I don't know. So we've built within the, the sort of modelling for the business, you have to um, sort of outline, um, you know, exit strategies. And, you know, if somebody wants to leave, how does the business deal with that? And in terms of, um, uh, you know, contractually. But again, it's too early to say. I think that sometimes, you know, if you'd have asked me two years ago, I didn't, I, I wouldn't have at that point been able to tell you that two years from then, I'd be saying now's my time to go and do something different. Um, I, I think sometimes you just know it when you feel it. So, um, you know, I, I like to think I've got 10 years, <laughs> a good 10 years in me. Um but I might feel differently in um, in five years. So I think it's, uh, you know, we're really clear that the plan is not to grow and sell to a, to a large organisation. Um, uh, and we have, um, you know, there are some much more youthful members of the team. So I'd like to think that whatever decision I may make in the next five or 10 years, that Elevate will continue under the um, ownership of other people that, maybe have, uh, you know, plan to be working for the next 20 years. Um, mm. But we, yeah, definitely, I think our experience um, means that we definitely, we, we have a different view. Um, so we wouldn't, we, we wouldn't just um, look to sell to whoever. Um, I think we have a, we have a definitely a different lens around that. Yeah. It's something I want to talk to listeners about at some point in the future is, is specifically recognising when the time is to exit a business and what, what you can do to plan for that. And particularly if you're working with other people contractually, what are the obligations and what does an exit look like? A good exit, how do you recognise when it's time to move out or simply to hand over to another company? Um, so I'd just like to wish you Colin, Hillary, Hannah, Adam, Lee, Sean, and Rob, the very best for the future. We're all rooting for you. It's a fantastically exciting time. Difficult time, but it's, as you said at some point when we last spoke, that um, it's not a question of bravery, is it? It's um, You feel less brave doing it now because it's almost like a, a convergence of factors which makes it the right time for you all. So we'll stay in touch. And um, I'd just like to thank you for your time this morning, Miranda, for being a guest on the show. No, thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Thanks to Miranda for being today's guest. And we, you and me as listeners to the show, wish Miranda, Sean, Colin, Hillary, Hannah, Adam, Lee and Rob the very, very best this year and of course into next year, 2021 and beyond. And my thanks to you, of course, as listeners today. Thank you for your time. There are plenty of great podcasts out there. I listen to them too. But you've chosen to invest time today listening to me and my guest. And for that, I'm very, very thankful. I don't take your listenership for granted. I would love you to feel that you're a part of the show and its success. And for that reason, I would love you to connect with me on LinkedIn or just write to me, mark at trainingbusiness.com. If you've got some 
Great ideas for episodes and content. I'd love to hear those because this helps to shape the show to ensure that it's the show to help you on your training business journey, wherever you are on that training business journey. You've got some great ideas. Maybe you've got some critique. I welcome that too. I'm all the time looking to improve and to shape what I do so it serves you. And I think anyone in the training business welcomes, relishes, and benefits from feedback. So please keep that feedback coming. Again, LinkedIn or mark at trainingbusiness.com. Now, there is a new website being launched in December. I've been saying this for months now, and forgive me for the delay, but there are a couple of reasons which I'll go into when the time comes to launch the site. It's going to be good. I've enlisted a couple of people to help me with this. This is not a solo journey or solo task. It is a team effort, and I'm thankful to the people helping me with this, and I'll introduce them to you when that time comes. So thanks for your patience in the interim. Now, in the interim, I'd love you to subscribe to the podcast because this helps us to get this show and more episodes of the show and guests on the show in front of people just like you and me. If you know someone who would benefit from any of the advice that's coming from guests on the show or topics introduced in episodes of the show, I'd love you to spread the word and help other people with their training business journey. I'm not an expert. I don't believe I am. I'm an expert in some areas, but in terms of what I'm doing today and and in future episodes, I really see myself as a conduit for the expertise of other people, ultimately to serve people just like you and me. I thought, what would me, what would I do if I were building a show that would help people in my position or your position? And I'd like to think that this is what this show achieves. So please subscribe to the podcast and you'll get notification of fresh episodes every Thursday. And you can find episodes of the show on your podcast platform of choice, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. I can't even think of them. There are so many, about 30 or 40, that my podcast editor, Sam, is kindly enough or good enough to ensure those podcast episodes go out on those platforms every single week. But speaking of week, I'd like to welcome you back next week, next Thursday, when we have a fresh episode of the podcast. But until then, please look after yourself and your loved ones. Take care. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.